Many of you know Nigel. Nigel uh, led this 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 church quite a few years ago now, but it was definitely was my leader when I first arrived here. Um, I've just got one thing to say. Nigel's a fire carrier. <laughs> he is a carrier of the Holy Spirit in a, in an extraordinary way. We all do, but Nigel and Jean carry in an extraordinary way. And when they walk in a room, you just know it. You know, you feel it uh, as God walks with them. So Nigel is a man of God, and uh, I pray that everything that he speaks to us this morning would be received, that we would have ears to hear, hear refresh, hear new sounds, distinguish between all the same old into something very new that you are going to speak to us this morning through Nigel. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you very much indeed. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, people on uh, in Zoom land. Um, nice to have you with us as well. Uh, I've just been intrigued. I've I've known for weeks because I'm I'm part of the little team that puts together uh, ideas for teaching programs and so on. So I've I've known for a long time that we were going to do Philippians, and I've known for almost as long that uh, I was due to speak on this for the second time on uh, Philippians chapter 1 and and so I've got I've got pages of notes because it's been a most exciting time um and just just to give you some sort of comfort I'm not going to go through the pages of notes with you all I'm just telling you that I've found it such a rich rich source of things I've had 30 verses and it's just been quite remarkable what, uh, what God has drawn out of it. But what, uh, what I knew I wanted to do as well was to make sure that what I said today um, really sort of meshed with uh, what Dave and Charlotte brought to us. And isn't God wonderful the way he does stuff? See, the Philippians um, 1, well, Philippians the book, Philippians the letter, as we, we heard a few weeks ago, um, it starts as a, as a real thank you to a, a, a church that's partnering in the gospel and uh, partnering financially in the gospel, partnering in very practical ways in the gospel. So even as I speak this morning, now I just want you to keep asking the Holy Spirit because I know the, the offering's gone round or it's still going round. But if God speaks to you again and says, yeah, great, now double it, feel free you know I don't like these things that we pass the offering round the moment's gone it hasn't and if God challenges you uh, this morning about uh, about partnering in a different way uh, with what's going on what we've just heard about then you know the envelopes are still going to be there at the end of the meeting so uh, that won't be a problem ha so where to go with all of this? I promised faithfully to my wife that I was going to keep this um, short. <laughs> she's been watching me. She's been hearing me um, saying, oh, I've just heard something else. I've just thought of something else. And she's oh, goodness sake, don't keep adding, don't keep adding to it. So I have added to it in the sense that all the notes are there, but I've also try to edit it so that I'm saying what I feel that God really wants to say this morning 
But I'm also going to just, on occasions, just touch on things which I then won't take any further. I want you to take those as an encouragement. Do your own reading. Do some more reading. I must have read this a dozen times in the last couple of weeks. And I'm still finding stuff. And I'm still finding that God's saying things to me that I didn't need to notice were there the first time I read them. Um, we had an excellent introduction to Philippians overall uh, from Andy a few weeks ago. Two weeks ago, Jill did a very good um, talk as well and, and a very inspirational talking about, you know, brought it right up to date. She just had a flying experience uh, with a friend from uh, way back, as she said, and then not so way back. Um, and uh, she was talking about the confidence she had in a friend who was a pilot. And I thought, yeah, that's absolutely true, isn't it? Because you can, you can see somebody. I've, I've got a certificate that says I'm a qualified pilot. The certificate says I'm a qualified pilot because I was a qualified pilot. That's fine. I haven't, I haven't flown certainly a powered aircraft for a very, very long time. Okay. I, you wouldn't have a lot of confidence if I took you up in an aeroplane tomorrow. <laughs> However, when you know that somebody's a qualified pilot, when you're a friend with them, when they say, don't worry, I've, you know, I'm, I'm doing this all the time, there is a confidence. And that confidence is the same sort of confidence we need to have in God. It's, it's a confidence in knowing the person, not a confidence just in reading. Um, and, uh, you know, Jill said, it's good to read scripture. It's great to read scripture. But if we don't let the Holy Spirit speak to us as we're reading it, it's still words on a page. And uh, so listening to the Spirit as we read is, is so important. And then last week, um, I, was, I was really challenged again um, by Anthea reading the... Um, the parable of the sower, and pointing out that it is, in every Bible I've ever come across, it's called the parable of the sower. It is not called the parable of the seeds, nor is it called the parable of this, uh, the different types of soil. Now, there's all sorts of stuff in there about soil and seeds which we can draw out of. So I'm not saying it's nothing to do with that. But, but you can so easily miss the point. It's about the sower, his generosity, the fact that they used to throw it about. There was none of this sort of, oh, let's, you know, you watch Gardener's World or something like that. And most of the time, it's, I've got a few seeds in my hand and it's really important to plant these and you have to plant them half an inch deep. Or these, we just do this and then you scatter something on top. And I know that's good horticulture, but that's not the <laughs> parable of the sower, is about it being thrown out. So I'm throwing out this morning and some of it, I hope, is going to land on, on good soil and, and bear fruit. So familiarity can be a bit misleading. And if you had asked me before I started doing any preparation what 1 Philippians was about, there's one verse that I would have remembered, and that is, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Ah, there's the, nu there's the nugget. That's what God wants uh, to get out of this. And he said, no. <laughs> that's not the bit I want you to concentrate on. Now, as I said, Philippians is a very straightforward book in, in so many ways. It doesn't contain a lot of contentious theology. It's a very straightforward thing. 
Well, and I'm going to start, as if I haven't already started, I'm going to start with the very verse that I really want you to take on board. Uh, I'm reading from the Passion Translation because, as I said, it's not a particularly con- controversial thing, so you don't have to worry about the, how good a translation it is. This is modern English, and it really, really speaks. Verse 27 of chapter 1. Whatever happens, keep living your lives based on the reality of the gospel of Christ, which reveals him to others. I'll read that again. Whatever happens, keep living your lives based on the reality of the gospel of Christ, which reveals him to others. Well, and God said to me, there's the challenge. You wanted to challenge for the church. You wanted to challenge for yourself for this time. That's the challenge. Keep on living your lives based on the reality of the gospel of Christ, which reveals him to others. It's how you live your lives that makes the difference. It's not the clever words you use. It's not the, the well, not the... Um, projects that we might come up with in church that would help towards evangelism. They're all good things, but it's how you live your lives that is really going to make the the difference. And that is the challenge. So I've said it now. If I don't get round to saying it again at the end, then I hope you'll forgive me because I probably ramble on a bit. Um, That's the verse I want you to really take to heart. Now, Paul was writing to a church which he had founded, and it's very easy to think that he founded it when he was young, you know, and then much later on he's writing to them. All of this happens very quickly because if Jesus died around sort of AD 33, and this is AD 60, that's 27 years. Well, Paul had spent 10 years not doing anything much before he started (laughs) really, really doing stuff. This was not, he'd he'd already had one visit, possibly two, to Philippi. And uh, so he's he's writing to a church where they knew him, they knew his message. I don't think Philippi had actually suffered too much from the Judaizers, so they'd had a fairly straightforward um, gospel message. And so Paul was very confident that he knew what they knew, because what they knew was what he told them. Now, I was really sort of exercised when I thought about us, that although, you know, some of us have been around in River now 40-odd years, and that's, that's, that's great, but the vast majority haven't, and some of us have come from very different backgrounds. We've heard the gospel in different ways. These people had nearly all heard it from Paul. He knew what they heard. He knew, <laughs> he knew how simple the gospel had been, and... So I was challenged to say, well, okay, I'm speaking to quite a cosmopolitan group now. How important is it for us, and this is another little challenge, how important is it for us to really grasp the essence of the gospel and not all the little bits and pieces that we've had added through all of our collective historic experiences? There's actually a very simple message. And the fact that they'd got that simple message was a great confidence to Paul. 
um, and he knew they'd got the message purely because they started partnering with him. They were still standing, partnering with him in his difficulties, in his time of, of imprisonment and so on. And so he said, I can, still, I, can, I can see you still got it. And then he says, and this is his first major confidence in God, I am confident that he who started a good work in you will bring it to completion. And... You know, that's a different situation than we've got. But I am confident, and I said in the prayer meeting earlier, I'm going to declare it over us now, that God has got a purpose for River Church. And I am confident, I am confident that he who started that good work will bring it to completion and fruition. And uh, so there's a confidence we can have and a challenge for us to, to understand. The next thing, I just, as I said, I'm just going to throw some stuff out. It's all seed being thrown out. But Paul's confidence in the gospel is such an important thing, such an important thing. And I suppose there's a confidence in the Godhead. There's a confidence in the Father. It's the Father who began the good work. And I'm just going to say some, I'm just going to throw some stuff out here. When God, as his, has the community of God, the Trinity of God, decided on creation, he knew there was, wis- there was wisdom in it. He knew what it would cost. You know, there's a parable that Jesus told about um, somebody who wanted to build a tower. And he said, nobody starts building a tower unless they first count the cost and make sure they have what it takes to complete it. Well, I think that's, that's actually a parable about what God was like in the beginning. When God decided to create the universe and then ultimately man in his own image, he knew that it would cost the very life of his son. He knew that because that's what he intended from the start. Not that Jesus should have to die. That sounds like it's, you know, that's what he wanted. It's like when you have a baby, you know it's going to cost you. You know it's going to take messy nights. You know it's going to have broken nights. It's going to have messy nappies. It's going to have that sort of stuff. And you make that commitment. That that's what you're going to do to be a parent. Well, God was much more informed than that. He knew what it would cost. So we have a father who began a good work in creation and also in us, and he will see that through to completion. Jesus, the son, his life on earth demonstrated the love of the father. He was able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So you have confidence in Jesus, the person of Jesus. The thing that he came to accomplish was the thing that had been determined from the very, very beginning. It wasn't a rescue mission. I can remember being taught it was a rescue mission where it was almost like things had gone, things had gone badly wrong. And so Jesus sort of got sent as a, well, I better send somebody to sort this out. Well, I know that's how it works out in history, but it's not what was intended. God always knew 
that in order to draw all men to himself and to have unity with us, it would take that sort of commitment. So there's a confidence in the Father, a confidence in the Son, and now for us, most importantly in in some ways, a confidence in the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus said, "When, when I go to the Father, I must send the Holy Spirit, or I'll ask him to send the Holy Spirit, and he will lead you into all truth. And we've already been singing about worshipping God in spirit and in truth, which is what Jesus said we had to do. And confidence in the spirit is the thing that I want to really just underline. The spirit leads us into all truth. His role is to lead mankind into all truth. Ha. I just want to be really careful how I, how I say this. We are called to be co-workers with God, not to do stuff for him. And it's a very fine distinction on occasions. But our confidence must be that if we walk with integrity as I've prayed for Dave and Charlotte just now, about walking with integrity, the little things that we do that represent Jesus. As that verse said, you live out according to the gospel because that's what, that's what impacts other people's lives. It's the Holy Spirit working in them that is going to change them. I hope I'm making some sense. I just think it's so important. We, we, we've got to understand that the Holy Spirit will do it for other people and be content to let him do it for other people. It is not our job to change them. I know I've said that from here before. We may see things that we really, really do think need changing in their lives. So we can take that to God in prayer. But it is not our role to change those things. We, we, we have to concentrate on living our lives in such a way that they are an example to others. And that's where the challenge comes from. The challenge does not come from us telling other people how they should live their lives. Well, he's got a greater desire to see people change than we have. It's interesting to me that Paul, uh, again, writing from prison where he's very much restricted in what he can do, still says, I see fruit in my ministry. Every day I see fruit in my ministry, and yet his ministry is incredibly restricted. And uh, I have a word, a word here for uh, hopefully watching young Mr. Sandiman at home who has been an inspiration to me just in the way that he's maintained his faith and his well, his walk with Jesus, uh, despite having quite debilitating physical problems. But I want to say, every prayer you pray, every moment you spend in worship, is having an effect in spiritual terms. 
every moment of it. And the fact that you were frustrated, okay, Paul was frustrated. He couldn't do what he wanted to do in so many ways, but he still saw fruit in his ministry. And I pray there will still be fruit from your ministry. In Jesus' name. Whoa. You're very loved, John. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Got so many bits and pieces here I'd love to say. (laughs) Yeah, so Paul Paul is in prison, frustrated. And his that line that I thought was going to be the key one, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I thought, you know, we do have to get hold of that. I I remember somebody preaching that once and then shortly into their talk they collapsed on the floor quite deliberately to make a point. Everybody's no, no. I'm not going to. Well, <laughs> if it happens, if it happens, I'm not doing it deliberately. Okay, um, <laughs> they they did it to make a point to see actually how 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 reactive we suddenly became, and you suddenly start thinking, you know, panic, panic, and he's in a, when when he eventually he had told his wife he was going to do it, um, which is quite important. Um, but he was making a point. I suddenly realised actually Paul is really sort of saying, don't bother about me. Don't, in that sense, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm quite secure because I know where I'm going and that's fine. I know, I know I should be with Jesus if I die. And if I don't, it's going to be fruitful. But that's the point. It's almost sort of, okay, I'm going to park that. It's not worth worrying about. His confidence was so great in his father and his love and his, his place with him. Okay, I'm going to finish because I want us to worship. And that's the last thing I want to say, is that Paul had learnt to worship. He'd learnt a lesson with Silas about prayer prayer and worship the first time he went to Philippi, because that's when he was in prison. And uh, the prison doors were thrown open. Because Paul and Silas prayed and worshipped, and uh, there was an earthquake. And uh, I, come on, guys, Acts four, they all prayed together. And after they'd finished praying, and all they were praying was, "Lord, you know, it's again not their responsibility. You look at the threats. Give us boldness to preach the word." And after they'd prayed, the place where they were was shaken. Paul and Silas, worshipping in prison, after they prayed and worshipped, the place where they were was shaken and the doors came open. If you like your Old Testament things, what about Jericho? Seven times round Jericho, praying and worshipping, and the walls come down. Way off notes now. Come on, Jesus. We want to see that sort of thing happen here. I hope we do. I I was so excited just to see Paul was just so confident in his God. And he was confident in his God not because he'd spent hours reading his own letters because he hadn't written them. Shoot. Do you understand that? They didn't have, the Philippians had Philippians. They didn't have Ephesians. Come on. We don't, we don't need to get our heads stuck in the book in order to get more inspiration in that sense. 
we, you know, that, that informs us and so on, but our inspiration comes from time spent with God. And the Holy Spirit was way ahead of me this morning in terms of the time of worship we had, which was superb. Thanks, Kerry. It was great. But um, if you'd like to come up again now, I just wanted us to spend some time um, before we finish again just in worship and asking God to cement some of these things. The challenge, I'll read it, I will read it once more. The challenge from verse 27. Whatever happens, and bearing in mind, this was, this was Paul writing when he said, I don't know if I'm going to live or die. Whatever happens, keep living your lives based on the reality of the gospel of Christ, which reveals him to others. So, Father, I want to pray that as we, that you, you would speak to us as we worship, that you would, you would carry us into more times of worship, um, that we would not think it was just a self-indulgent thing or a nice thing to do for you, but actually it's powerful in the Holy, in the Holy Spirit. It's powerful in doing battle with the heavenlies. It's powerful in bringing healing. It's powerful in, in so many things that we want to see. So don't... Don't dismiss it as just something that we do. You know, we pass the basket round, it's done. We sing a couple of songs, that's worship. Worship has got to be central to our lives. And uh, so I, I pray, Father, right now that as we just have a, a time of worship again, that you would speak to us, that you would cement in our hearts the things that you want to cement from what's been shared. Oh, Jesus. Release healings across this room, Lord God, for people who need them. Ooh, release inspiration, Lord God. Whoa.